Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of the call in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hi there. Welcome to Barangaroo Studios, this is Ausbiz, and the show, of course, is The Call. You know it well. Hopefully, at least 10 companies picked by you, two experts, one hour. It is Friday, the 11th of June, and I'm Nadine Blaney. I've been looking forward to this one, and welcome to you if you're watching us on Twitter, on Facebook, and YouTube as well. Just if it's your first time here, we do this program every weekday at midday Eastern, and you can watch it again on any of our channels and also listen to it in podcast format. As I was saying, looking forward to today, I've got two guests in studio with me, a uh, bit of a dream team here. We've got Rudy Philippek van Dyke from FN Arena and Claude Walker from A Rich Life. Guys, hello. G'day. We were just chatting in the break about Prometicus, sitting at about $50, a little yes. bit above that. <laughs> Claude, can it go higher? Uh, I mean, in the very long term at this point, I think what we need to see is them becoming the leader in using their platform for machine learning algorithms to um, be used on radiology scans. If they do become the leader in that, which I argue that they're better placed than anybody else to become the yeah. leader in that, but if they do, yes, it can go high. If that doesn't work out, I think it's pretty fully priced and, and, it, and it will eventually disappoint. But I'd expect the share price to go up and down based on sentiment around that future possibility. Yeah, we spoke with the CEO a couple of weeks ago and I had wished I had touched base with you beforehand. Is it a shame that Prometicus is not in the Ausbiz portfolio, Rudy? Absolutely. <laughs> but, but in all honesty, uh, and I'll speak for both of us, we have been taking some profits off the table. Yeah, because it's true. Even in the high 40s, mid 40s, high 40s, it started looking elevated and now it's in the 50s. Yeah. It just shows you that I mean, you can't always predict what the share market does, but if, you, if you're if you on board for longer term, I mean, the long and the sto short story, I think, for Medicus is, is will they win new contracts and when? Okay, and when? it is not the stock of the day. I have uh, gone on a bit of a tangent, just as a heads up to you, we will be talking a few tech names a little bit later in the piece, so stick with us for that. But uh, if you are first time to this program, this is what happens. So these guys know each other quite well and we continue the conversation over the weeks and months and it's, uh, it's fun to follow these companies. I mean, that's what we're all here for. Uh, every day we pick a stock of the day. Today, Premier Investment. So this one, obviously, because today it has upgraded its full year retail profit outlook, reporting a record May in terms of sales. Global sales in the first 18 weeks of the second half soared some 70%. Uh, stores in the UK and Ireland reopening over the period and uh, Premier saying that trading 
actually is coming in line with its expectations. So let's start there, shall we? PMV, um, is it a sexy stock, sexy enough for you, Rudy? No, it's not sexy enough for me. I mean, I, my, my sons are 25 and 23 now. They no longer jump uh, on me to buy something at Smiggles. Um, I think in, in, in general terms, I mean, there is a fair argument to be made that this is one of the best retailers we have in Australia and they will benefit from, from a reset in, in, um, in, in lease costs for their, for their, um, for their locations. But, um, my, my worry still is a bit that they have, of course, these numbers look very impressive, but these numbers are derived on the back of lockdowns and people not so being able to travel. So it's cycling through those base effects. And I'm still a little bit worried that at one stage we, we will all stop buying shoes and new suits and socks and underwear and we're, we're starting to directing our, 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 our spending elsewhere and then overseas flights and the like and then those numbers will look a lot, lot less oppressive yeah, that for, to me is a big question mark for the medium term medium term but in the short term I mean we're all cashed up everybody looks like they've got a propensity to spend and I don't know I get holes in my socks all the time yeah uh, well I think the, the, the short term advantage that these guys have uh, is that uh, Solly Lou plays hardball and with COVID came, you know, the situation where a lot of retailers were in trouble and he used that to hammer down rents across the board. Yeah, controversially, in, you know, I mean, in I some think, ways. I think it's fine and it's good and it's exactly what we need because what are the landlords of this world, and I'm a landlord, but the landlords of our country, you know, we're, we're putting up the price of everything um, because that, it always goes into the price of what you're buying at the very end is if you've got high rents, high property prices, the price of everything goes up. So it's a good thing that we have actors that will push down uh, the, the price of rents and that's going to be great for the business short term. Now eventually if they're getting an unfair advantage over landlords and there's a lot of demand, eventually those rents will have to go back up anyway. But in the short term it could be a, couple of, a good couple of years if they've used this crisis, never waste a good crisis to push down their cost base. I think it puts Premier in a pretty good position. On top of that, I think it has to be said that based on the numbers they've given now, if you're willing to believe that that profit is sustainable, uh, then I think it's on about maybe 18 times earnings, something like that. But that ignores the fact that they've got a lot of interesting stuff on their balance sheet, including I think a billion dollars worth of shares in Breville. So I think you could put together a sum of the parts argument that says that this is a, a pretty good investment now. It's obviously not exciting enough for me, but I have to say, you know, if I was just looking to have some long-term retail exposure and buy and hold, then this would be at the top of my list. But you're not buying today. No, it's, I, I don't, I have no particular affinity for retail. I can barely convince myself to hold on when I find something really exciting in, in retail. <laughs> so no, not for me. You're not buying either. No. Okay. I'm, not if, I'm not chasing it. Uh, no, here, but no. would you hold it if you're already a shareholder because you think that the trajectory, at least in the medium term... Yeah, there would, at this point in time, there would not necessarily be a reason to sell here. Yeah. And, and you're getting something along 3% yield in dividends. Um, although I would, I would argue that um, there would be probably retailers out there with, with less risk, I think. But um, yes, if you're a shareholder and you're on a good ticket... There's no, there's, no, there's no reason to immediately sell out here for me. Okay. So that is the stock of the day, Premier. Let's get on to the companies that have been brought to us by you, uh, putting it that way. Philip has written in about CSR. So we all know what's happening in the building space, the home builders, the stimulus, um, 
you know, the housing market is the just pent up demand. Crazy. Yeah, well, I mean, we don't have migrants coming in. So yes. that's one thing to take into consideration. And of course, inflation as well. I mean, does CSR have the ability to pass on its higher costs to its users, its clients? <laughs> that, that's probably a question for an expert in the industry, which I'm not. But I think that most of these businesses do eventually have that ability to pass it on. I mean, that's what's going to happen. Sometimes I think the reason that businesses in general worry about inflation is if you do have sudden inflation, then you can get, you can get caught um, with, with shortages or not being able to fulfill demand. Or you can, if you, definitely if you've got in a position where you've already done a fixed price contract and suddenly your costs go up, you can blow up. But I assume they'd be managing that pretty carefully. Um, for me, I think that that longer term share price chart pretty much tells the story that, that is front of mind for me when I look at this kind of business. I just can't get it. I want to invest in businesses where I can clearly say the long term is my friend. So if I've made a little mistake and I've paid too high a price when I bought in, if I'm confident that the long term is my friend and I continue to have confidence in the business, then for those kind of businesses, you can kind of just hold your way out of trouble. And if the long term is on your side, and this is going up and to the right over the very long term, then even if you overpay a little bit at the beginning, you can, you can still end up having a good investment um, as long as the business keeps firing. I don't like to invest in up and down businesses that are always cyclical. They have the good times followed by the bad times. That is not something that I invest in. And if you look at the actual profits as well, They've been up and down as well. And if anything, I would say the five-year trajectory of the uh, EBIT, so this um, tries to exclude some of the abnormal factors, that's been, in fact, trading down. So for me, I, I would avoid it, even, even though there's a lot of demand and it's a bit of a hot space right now. Everything that Claude just said, with a little bit of a, of a, of a difference in opinion, just a little bit. Um, I, I always feel the need, and I have to repeat, that this company is responsible for one of the most disastrous acquisitions we've seen in corporate Australian history. It's called Viridian Glass, and uh, ultimately I think it's now worth zero on the balance sheet, and they paid a lot of money for it with a lot of promise. Um, this is not quality. This is really, and, and we, we've, we've, you, can, you can tell by just looking at the numbers from, from the past two decades or so. This company is one of those very old-fashioned Australian companies, I mean. Um, I believe that, uh, that the S stands for sugar originally, um, but yeah. that's, that's really a long time ago. Anyway, the only reason why you buy CSR is for the cycle. Mm -hmm. and, and we now have a, a completely a, a pent-up demand accelerated uh, in the local housing sector. That's probably going to last uh, a little longer. Uh, the share price is not excessively priced for that up, up cycle. So that's the only reason, I think, that you buy this stock and that you would own it but again it's one of those examples you, you date them you don't you don't marry them you, uh, you you do not stay on board for too long and history shows that but Claude has already speculated on that one it will come down at one stage probably here is more upside because the cycle is longer to go and that's why but don't stay on board for too long well it's at six dollars today would you buy today you can buy today for the for the for the for the upside that will come if this um, cycle lasts uh, for the next, at least the next six months, which I believe it will. Um, but again, um, take your profits in time. Okay. That is for you, Philip, but not a overwhelmingly ringing endorsement. I don't think that was the strongest <laughs> buy I've ever had coming from Rudy, but it is a buy. A home consortium is HMC, and that's for Luke. So this is 
This is a company from everything I read that's going through a transition. So um, from it's it's actually very interesting how it started. Yeah. This is the failed experiment from Woolworths to try to compete with West Farmers in the in the home renovation space, basically. And these guys are probably amongst the most entrepreneurial in that sector. I mean, they bought those assets from Woolworths, and they thought, hey, we can do something interesting mm -hmm. with that. And, and now they're spinning off these rates. And now they're exactly now they're now they're developing all kinds of other portfolios. Long story short, um, I wouldn't chase it here. I, I don't think it's it's cheaply priced here. It's obviously priced on a lot of exciting stuff coming out of this. Um, I would, if you're interested in, in joining this one, I would wait for for pullback, which which eventually will happen. Okay, but uh, this is this is pricing in a lot of upside and of course a lot of excitement because they are. Uh, creating new portfolios, spinning them off, giving them to investors, etc., etc., uh, which is it's all a very uh, great story uh, in itself. But you, you, you probably want to join them in a lower share price, I would say. Uh, do yeah, you I I completely agree. I, this is I think this is trading on a forecast FY21 dividend yield of 2.2 percent. And if I'm going to be in this game, I definitely want more than that. Like maybe even double that, basically. So for me, it's just too high based on the the best metric in my view to value this kind of thing is dividend and I feel like there must be a lot I mean they're doing a lot of things they're spinning off new stuff they're going to raise another billion of equity for a new REIT kind of thing that they're doing so like there's reason to believe in growth but I wouldn't want to count on it I don't want to pay for I don't want to pay for like inorganic growth so these have put together deals and stuff and you have to have continual deal flow and all that kind of thing it's not like they've just got some sweet product and everyone's knocking on their door saying hey i want to buy it it's not like that so i don't want to pay up for that growth in the future basically mm -hmm. okay so there's a, a quality to the growth that you need to yeah, exactly, be buying for exactly. or paying for okay home consortium moving quite quickly through this list accent group <laughs> ax1 for sam so this is the company that uh, sells a lot of shoes it just bought that glue store. Um, it's in that sort of competitive yeah. space with universal stores because they do more than just sell shoes. Oh, and also Accent has been around for quite a... Yeah, I yeah. I actually forgot what... They, they used to have a different name, but uh, I, I believe, but yeah. a long time ago, yeah? RCG, yeah. I think it was that. Yeah, okay. exactly. All right. Yeah, actually, I do remember that as yeah. well. Okay, so uh, what's the story with Accent Group? You could talk about it's uh, in the retail space. Again, goes to that consumer spend. Like, like them a lot. Really? They're very um, entrepreneurial. Uh, they have historically, uh, and the best way, I, I believe, the advantage you have when companies pay dividends is you can get blinded by, by the bottom line, which can be impacted by a lot of factors, but the dividend doesn't lie. The dividend is cash, they pay out. The dividend is, is, is over time, basically in a steady uptrend. Apart from, I mean, here and there, they did, they did have a stumble because they are retailers, but in general terms, the dividend goes in, in, in a steady uptrend. That's one major reason to own this company because as long as the dividend keeps on going up, the share price volatility will 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 kick will kick in an uptrend as well. This is this is a very highly regarded team of of, of retail of retailers, basically in Australia. Um, footwear, shoewear. Um, I mean, I, I've been to there and measure my foot and everything. And you get the right uh, <laughs> thing around your foot. It works, yeah. And it it's why you've got a spring in your staff. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. And yes, sometimes you pay a little bit of a premium, but you know, if you know that you know, you're not doing too much damage to your back while walking around, <laughs> that's, 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 that's worth paying for. Anyway, long story short, I would, I would be comfortable to put this one bottom drawer in your portfolio, steady dividends, 
always, of course, always volatility because it's a retailer and it, it goes up and down with, with the economic cycle. But I think this, this probably is less volatile, less risky than uh, Premier. Premier Investments, which sells you suits and well, yes. jeans and yes. everything. Yes, really. I, think sh I think shoes are uh, more steady and reliable. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, favorable rental agreements, I suppose, could work in favor of Accent Group as well. Yeah, I didn't follow if they how much they capitalized mm. on that. Um, so it's a little bit of an unknown, but that's a good point. They could be upside down. Look, mm. I assume there would be anyway, because I think just generally there's yeah. a bit of weakness in that market. So they should be doing well out of that. And they want to roll out more stores and this glue, this glue acquisition. Yes. So I think that probably by now we can say that their model of it's a bit of trying to get organic growth, but also like tacking on new stores. I think by now we can probably say, you know, we can trust these guys to do this. Mm. I've been following this company off the, in the side of my eye for many years. Now. You know the name. Yeah. RCG. This, is what, this is what I had to look yeah. up. I actually bought this. This is a typical yeah. me investing in retail experience. Yeah. I bought this stock at 60 cents in 2013. Um, and then changed my mind and sold it at 58 cents. <laughs> <laughs> so, I love that, your honesty, Claude. Yes. So that's the problem. Like, if I'd held that, I'd have been on to like a nice multi-year multi-bag exactly what I'm looking for, right? Yeah. That was exactly what I was looking for. But the problem is, I think my personality is skewed towards wanting to see like recurring revenue and feeling super safe in that mm. and just knowing that as long as the business delivers and because I'm looking at the business and as long as I trust the business to keep on going up or whatever mm. then I'll just hold on and I just always get worried with retailers you know who knows what spooked me it was like probably some oh there's some retail numbers some retail softness yeah. or whatever and suddenly I'm like oh this seems like a bad idea yeah. and so and of course that that's in the end that's the noise and the real the real signal is that this business model seems to be working. I do agree with you. I think actually shoe retailing is something that is a bit more value added than some other retailing. And it's definitely worth spending on good shoes as well. Like that's, it's like shoes, dentists, accountants, lawyers. Yeah. You, you, know, you want to spend money on it. You don't pinch Yeah, I always buy my kids good shoes. I mean, yeah. a little yeah. bit less for myself, but. Anyway, you haven't failed. You have learned the lesson. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so did you, uh, is there a lesson to be learned in terms of buy, hold, sell for this one now? <laughs> I think, the, I think the lesson to be learned is definitely, I agree with Rudy, this is one to pop in your, on your watch list. It seems to have proved its business model out now. I don't know if they can continue doing this. Uh, when you have roll-up style um, business models, that doesn't always work forever. But then again, with retail, scale is a bit of an advantage, genuinely. So that can help as well and it can work better in that kind of environment. So definitely one to, to put on your watch list. I wouldn't be against buying it. I think part of the lesson I've learned over the years is Generally, I just don't try too hard with retail because I just know I, I You're don't- You're gonna mess it up. I, yeah, I don't do the good strong multi-year holds with that, with retail. So I just try and pick it for shorter term stuff. But yeah, I think it's a good company. So I guess it'd be sort of a hold for me. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've had a few emails in that we've got to define this definition of hold a little bit further. I'll put some thought into that one. If you're watching, you know who you are. It Black means Claude likes it, but he doesn't want to put it in, in the portfolio. And I don't want to buy it myself. <laughs> well, and, and that's it. Stick with it. If you wouldn't buy it today, that's the rule that I go by when it, in terms of a buy, then, then we, don't, we don't call it a buy. All right, Blackmore's BKL. This is for Jeremy. Jeremy, everybody also remember this is mm. information only. It's not taking into account your personal circumstances. So that is a consider yourself warned. Blackmore's for Jeremy. Okay. So I take Blackmore's vitamins sometimes when they're on sale. I buy them 50% mm. off. I mean, they're 50% off a lot yes. of the time. What's that telling me, really? There's a German brand uh, has come into Australia and they're very cheap as well. Let me check. Uh, the computer says no. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've I followed Blackmore's uh, for quite a while. I, I mean, I, I used to be quite favorable towards them yeah. uh, when, when everything was going right and they were going into Asia and into China and they were selling a lot of vitamins. But I've also learned from, from the years of, 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 um, of observing them um, where their weakness lies. And their weakness is in the marketing department. And as I, just as I've noticed, there's a German brand now coming into Australia and offering their products at much lower value. And I'm buying the German brand. I mean, why am I paying double the price for, for vitamin C? I don't know, right? I won't. And that's, th that's the weakness of that sector. I mean, the weakness of that sector is every time the competition kicks in with marketing, they are forced to, to ramp up their marketing as well. And that goes, th there goes your margin, there goes your, your profit. So essentially when you own them, you're, you're at the mercy of the competitive forces in that market. And uh, to me, that's too weak. Um, I, I'm looking for the mode which isn't there. For me, that's too weak a proposition. And at the moment, uh, at this particular point in time, there are so many question marks about uh, what, what's happening with Blackmores. And I mean, internally, it must be a complete struggle to get that business back, back to even close to where it was. And I know there's potential, there's all Asian countries, and, mm -hmm. but, and, but it doesn't take away the fact that they are very much at the mercy of, of the competitive forces. They can you know, invest in IT, they can improve their supply chains. <coughs> are there levers that Blackmores can pull to bring them back to the glory days? Uh, well, the, so the glory days were driven by like the huge Daigu mm -hmm. trade um, that was happening and their peak profits like multiples bigger than what they are currently. And if they got back to those, but I guess those sales, because their revenue's gone up since then, right? So those sales were obviously like super high margin. They're having uh, people take them off the shore stores in Australia and send them back to China mostly. But also the Chinese government then put in new rules a couple of years mm. ago that basically made the, the small style Daigu that was just maybe a student or someone having a nice little side hustle. That was like a really profitable thing for Blackmores and A2 Milk and Bellamy's. Mm. And they took the Chinese government, as I understand it, effectively killed that business model largely. Um, so there are still, I guess, what you call corporate Daigu's and I'm not quite sure the nuances of how that works. But mm. what I do know is those corporate Daigu's are bigger and they've got bargaining power that the little mm. guy doing mm -hmm. a side hustle did not have. So if you're Blackmores, the idea of having tons of people coming to buy as part of their side hustle at full price, in fact, showing their customer a photo of the full price Blackmores is like the advertisement. This is the real deal. It's yeah. not fake. I'm showing you the shop that I'm getting it from and it's premium priced. And that makes the buyer think, yeah, I'm getting the really yeah. good Australian stuff. I think I don't think that's coming back. Mm. Um, but if you think that's coming back, then sure, Blackmores is a buy, definitely. Because that, that it's, it's profits were more than double, I believe, what they are currently now in the in the glory days of that trade uh, but yeah no for me I actually think it's not coming back and so I don't think Blackmores is a terrible option right now but I have I see no reason to own it basically okay so you would not you're, you're avoiding this one and how about you Rudy was that a sell yeah or avoid but I mean what, let, what's in the words let's well, not buy okay. <laughs> let me give my little trade idea like I'm not going to take this trade but I think there's potentially a trade like surely this does pick up a bit once we do reopen at some, to at some stage at some yeah. stage it might students but, and mm. which we're already that might be one of the first things we reopen to is mm. um, having more students come in from China again like I don't know touch wood we used to have lots and that might pick it up I don't I'll, know I'll tell you why at one stage this, the share price will be higher because you, you simply get the, the, the 12 month comparison which at some stage becomes so low that you will make the, at least the impression of we're getting it right yeah? yeah it doesn't mean that you are yeah. I think there might be a trade in it yes. to be honest but 
We're not but you're going. not going to take that train, as you just said. I can't promise I'm going to not take that train if I like, but I Nobody's don't think I will. Nobody's going to know, Claude. <laughs> yeah, just no. play along for yeah, this no, purpose. No. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not going to take I mean, the train in it. Yeah, this is, uh, and, and Rudy, so if you held Blackmore's, yes. would you sell it? I mean, because it's yeah, not no, the... You, 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 well, the risk is not gone. The mistake that people always make is they think, well, the share price used to be more than $200. Now it's, for memory, it's something along the $70 blind. They think, oh, obviously now it's a lower risk proposition. It actually isn't. Right? The risk doesn't necessarily disappear by default because the share price is now a lot lower. The share price now a lot, is a lot lower because the risks the have increased, yeah. basically, and, and the profits have disappeared. So this can still disappoint. And, and history shows you that when companies are in, in trouble, I mean, A2 Milk is in trouble, uh, Black Moss has been in trouble, it can take a while before they, before they turn around. In the meantime, you could make, make more money and safer money elsewhere. Got it. NRW Holdings for Paul. This is in the mining services space, energy, uh, metals. It's got an infrastructure arm. Mark, I feel Mark, like I know Mark, what you're going to say. Market doesn't want to go there, but um, um, everyone who covers this stock thinks it's exceptionally cheaply priced. Um, but the market has been incredibly harsh on them after they um, released their, their, their market update. I think it was in February. Mm -hmm. Well, you can see there, yep. the share price was a lot higher in February. And after that, it just fell like a rock. The problem with, those, with these type of companies, and we've seen that, you see it time and time again, they are so dependent on their customers um, not paying out dividends, but actually opening up new mines and new, new railroads, and etc. And if one of those customers gets unhappy, then uh, no payment or they take them to court or the business can go bankrupt. And that's, that's mm -hmm. often happens with. I think given the fact that the business is now so cheaply priced and the fact that the commodity sector is going through a boom time, I think that you can take a punt here and, 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 and just take the view that at some point contracts will roll in and, and management will tell the market, listen guys, um, our, our margins are no longer falling, and then that share price could potentially, can absolutely shoot the lights out. Well, that's a buy from you. Would you be buying NRW Holdings? I know it's not an area of the market that you like investing in, Claude, but if you look at price, and you look at potential with this commodity boom on and infrastructure spend, you know, that pipeline is, is strong. Yeah, yeah, so look, this is one that I, this is probably one of the only mining services stocks that I even bother to like keep up with. And this is actually one I did in my early days before I realized never to buy mining services stocks. <laughs> um, I actually own shares in this one as well. Uh, so if it repeats it, even, like its current dividend, half year dividend on the stock, I think about four cents. So if it even just repeats that, it's on a 5.1% yield. Now this business has been around for ages. So I think we can sort of say, look, it's going to keep on keeping on for another 10 years and stuff. So it's definitely- Ooh, be careful. You reckon? Well, I Re think it is. Remember I Forge. Think, yeah, I, well, Forge is a disaster, but these are the kind of things you gotta look for. So yeah. Forge blew up, but mm. what was happening is they were incentivized to grow earnings per share. Mm. And they did that by taking on heaps of debt and buying short-term earnings mm. per share, which triggered all of the bonus payments for executives. But then the earnings per share that they'd bought evaporated um, and they'd taken on debt to buy this because that's how you increase earnings per share. Don't increase the shares, use debt, buy another business. So that's how they blow up. So RCR that, Tomlinson was more than 100 years old when they blew up. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't these guys take advantage of that? Um, but yeah, anyway, so I think these guys have been one of the better run uh, mining services business over the last 10 years. And I don't know if we've got a 10 year graph 
But the thing is that actually Bro, in 10 it's years, it's like, actually, that was $1.30 in 2013, this share price. And it's $1.50 now. Mm. So I think, yes, if you bought it when it was right at the, in the doldrums, mm -hmm. then you've done that extremely well. And you can probably just buy and hold and you're getting paid. If you bought it at 20 cents, you know, you're basically getting 25% of your outlay as a dividend. Mm every half year mm -hmm. so you're laughing and I know people that have done that and they're just going to hold on and I think they'll do fine mm. is it low enough now to be diving in N not in my view five percent yield yeah it's I think you actually mm. probably conversely you want to buy this when they've sort of just had to cut their dividend because they're all they're freaking out and works dried mm -hmm. up mm -hmm. and then it's kind of looks bad then but you're betting on the rebound and yeah, that yeah. things get better so it's not low enough now for me to say oh it's a contrarian play having said that I'm kind of glad the person wrote in because I think if they do want to invest in mining services stocks these better quality ones there's a few others as well that are decent quality I think mineral resources is a good one they're the ones you probably want to keep on your watch list and try and buy but no for me I just don't invest in this sector because it's just if my so memory difficult. serves me correctly obviously this chart doesn't go far enough I think in 2007 or so this was nine dollars I think yeah, oh, really? I think it's possible. Yeah, yeah, my computer's died. I can't look that up. <laughs> and I don't have that in this Rolodex <laughs> that is my brain at this stage of the game. All right, we're halfway through. Let's get you across the first five stocks. And stock of the day is Premier Investments. It's a no from both of my guests here. Uh, Rudy's just worried that the music will stop in terms of retail sales. And uh, yeah, Claude thinks that it's had a good couple of years, played the COVID cards right, but he's just not really interested in investing in this retail stock. Okay, so let's get to the companies that you've written in about. Philip for CSR. It's an avoid for Claude. It's just too cyclical. It is a buy for Rudy, but there's a caveat. It's got to be on just sort of a six-month horizon to cash in on the cycle that we're going through right now. He does not think that it's a quality company. So you make your judgment based on those comments. A home consortium for Luke, the yield is too low to be in here for Claude. If you're being uh, in this space, this property space, you wanna be getting paid a lot better for it. And that is sort of what Rudy thinks as well. It's not cheap. If you're gonna get in, you'd wait for some sort of a pullback. So that's not a ringing endorsement, Luke. Accent Group AX1, it's a buy from Rudy. He actually thinks as far as retailers go, it's pretty entrepreneurial. He also likes treating his feet well, and he says that the dividend does not lie, and it's in an uptrend, so you could buy this, put it in a bottom drawer. Uh, look, Claude doesn't dislike this one. It's on a watch list. He does trust the company to execute, um, but it's just a hold for him. Again, he's not really big on getting into the retailers. They're still cyclical. Now, Blackmore's is an avoid. For Claude, he believes that there's been a fundamental shift, particularly for that higher margin Daegu channel into China. And it's a sell for Rudy. I'm calling it a sell because you're at the mercy of competitive forces always. He says his computer says no. Now, Claude was talking about a potential trade for Blackmore's, but that's just not what today's conversation is about. Now, when it comes to NRW Holdings for Paul, it's one of the better run mining services companies in Claude's view. It's just not cheap enough for him to buy it. It does have a pretty good yield. It's a hold. It's a buy though for Rudy. Uh, it's exceptionally cheaply priced, he thinks. And so if you believe that the CapEx spending is gonna come through, then this would be a buy. So you know about our portfolio. If you don't, I'm about to tell you about it. We've been tracking these companies since July 1st last year. And this is thanks to our partner, NabTrade. So we have a one-week return of about four-tenths of 1% one month, close to nine and a half. 
and in the financial year to date up uh, just just around 40 percent so not too bad now the rule is if both of the guests give a company on the day a thumbs up or a buy it has to be a buy then that company gets put in and if they at a later date are discussed and it's not a buy then they get taken out sad days for Prometicus and potentially our portfolio <laughs> as well where we started the conversation look you can check out everything that's in the portfolio go to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio and uh, just a bit of a of a promo to get you across uh, the latest company to hit the boards are Genica Therapeutics following a seven million dollar raise it's uh, trading quite well. It's uh, come online and we'll be speaking with the CEO, Dr. Liz Dallimore, a little bit later on. So it's just past 1 p.m. actually, so don't switch off if you're watching now. You can get uh, all the details from the horse's mouth for this newly listed company here in Australia. Good to see more female CEOs. Uh, mm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you, Rudy. Females in general if, uh, <laughs> Anyways, I think the healthcare sector, the healthcare sector will probably be the, the, the I, sector to do it. I heard on Twitter not long ago that a fund manager disparaging female CEOs. I thought it was disgraceful. But one counterpoint is look at Alcidian. That's just been, I own shares in that. Uh, Kate, the CEO of that, has done a great job. She took over when it was $0.05, cents, $0.40 cents now. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not necessarily gender specific, but I yeah. take your point. We, we can also say Blackmores was one much better when it was under a female CEO. Yeah, and then <laughs> I, I spared a thought for the new CEO of AMP. Um, we talk about that um, pink cliff, I think it's called, that oftentimes females are brought in when yeah. a company's at the precipice. Uh, to Being the to CEO of AMP now is a punishment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I'm not going to weigh in. Editorially sound. You brought up medical and, and health and devices. Let's talk about medical devices. Developments. This is for Sean. MVP is the ticker code. My kids are obsessed with Bondi Rescue, so I know what the green whistle is. They are very curious as to what the green whistle is and how it makes you feel. Oh, I can tell you a story about my son. My son was a, was a little guy and he needed one. And he actually asked for another one. He liked it that much. <laughs> yeah, I would blame him. Okay, so as an investment, though, what do you think of medical developments? It was hit hard um, yes. you know, yeah. through COVID. Yes, yes. Well, so I, I've got such a long, I love this. This is a great one to follow. I've <laughs> been following this since I owned it in 2013 when it was completely under the radar, stock price a dollar. Typical uh, Claude learning to invest style, didn't hold on long enough, um, which is always mm. the failing for me as a beginner investor anyway. Um, mm. So I didn't make a profit as it rise to its current price, which is about four times that. However, um, this is probably the one that I find most interesting and exciting um, to talk about today. Mm -hmm. And in fact, um, right after this show, I've got uh, an article on this sitting in drafts. So I'm going to really? go and publish that. Okay. And, and what's more, I bought shares not that long ago. And I'm, so I should disclose that. And I am only bought a tiny amount of shares. So I'm actually looking to accumulate more of this, right? Can I'm, I be nosy? I'm, I'm, what price I'm, did you I'm buy? I'm feeling a portfolio inclusion coming up. Oh, okay. $4.78 $4 was <laughs> okay. my little nibble um, that I did recently. And um, basically, uh, but I would... I think under five is interesting, but let me say why. Okay. So this business has a few moving parts, but there's only one part that I think is interesting, which is the Penthrox um, green whistle one, which of course is such a great uh, way of helping someone who's in painful trauma. Like I had it as a kid when I broke my collarbone, mm. skiing accidents, whatever it might be. Um, and so it's like the ambulances carry it and that kind of thing. And this drug is not an opioid drug. So even though you're not supposed to use it repeatedly because it could damage your kidney if you did, 
it's also a great way of helping someone without giving them opioids. And that has a lot of advantages. And that's particularly front of mind now in the US mm -hmm. where they have a terrible opioid problem. Now, guess what? And this is the history hardly anyone knows, is that many years ago, this was a drug that was approved in the US. But for some reason, I don't quite understand, but maybe because they had a competing drug, the people that owned that in the US um, asked for it to be taken off as an approved drug because they were worried about um, how the dosages they were using then could hurt the kidney. So they did many years ago, maybe 30 years ago more, they took it off the approved list in the US. Since then, um, it always remained approved in Australia and uh, medical developments changed the dosing thing to make it safer basically. Mm -hmm. So they've done a lot more research. This has been used extensively for more like decades in Australia. So many people have had it, very few problems like Every single sign indicates this is a safe and great way of helping people in distress. Now, a few years ago, uh, we're going back to like 2013 now, medical developments invented a better way of manufacturing it, which improved the margins uh, after they did that. And so in 2013, from Penthrox sales in Australia, they made an EBIT of $3 million. Now, ever since then, their profits not looked so good as they've looked to try and expand overseas and even move towards getting reapproval in the USA. So their actual profits since then haven't been so good. But I say, to, in my mind, I look back at that historical result and say, well, this is the kind of profit they could get out of selling this in Australia way back when. So if, you, if they do successfully expand overseas to Europe and um, USA, they could easily get 10 times that profit in my view, and maybe even more if they have benefits of scales just from this Penthrop business. Well, that would take you to about 30 million versus a current market cap of 330 today, which is PE11, which would obviously be way too low for a growing medical devices company that is, yeah, so basically that's my thesis, mm -hmm. put simply, and that's why I like it at current prices and I'd consider buying more. Okay. And I, I probably will. It's a buy. Well, let's, let's go to the most important. Computer says yes. Computer <laughs> says yes. Okay. And this is so because you agree with that thesis, that it's got a, everything, a uh, well, potential uh, in a, in a yes, bigger market. Yes. The, I, I think there's two elements which I will briefly outline because all the footwork has been done yeah. by Claude. <laughs> One of them is, I think this, if you look at the share price and, and the history of the profits, it shows you that having a, a very interesting product in itself is not enough to make a good investment. Yeah? There's a lot more happening, but coming back to the core, I think the share price here is cheap enough. The market is obviously waiting for, uh, for, for more to come, and the more to come is basically expansion to Europe and expansion in the US. These guys are working on that. Um, I think we, we, apart from the fact that any announcements in those regards will act as a catalyst for the share price, I think we might have to wait longer for the revenue and the bottom line because they, they will need to hire salespeople and set up an infrastructure and all of that at first. And then sometimes, as often happens, uh, the rollout goes a lot slower than, 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 than on paper. But anyway, if you take a positive view that these guys are basically on the verge of international expansion, exact timing unknown, yeah. then you can, you can buy this one and just wait for things to come. So it's a buy. Yeah. Okay. It's going in the portfolio for you, Sean. Okay. Let's get on to number seven, GLH for Chris. Saying you'd love to get the panel, especially Claude Walker, this one's for you, on a little med tech called GLH. Don't feel bad, Rudy. No, uh, don't feel bad. Look, I did a bit Rudy of research. Rudy doesn't want to talk about it anyway. <laughs> okay. So what do you think? Do you know it, Global Health? Yeah, of course. I, like, I, I love, obviously, thanks to the questioner, they, they do know what I'm interested yeah. in because this is definitely the kind of stock that I've been looking at for a long time. Once upon a time, actually, I own shares in this one as well. But I bought it 20 cents. That's not, my not fault. I think we have spoken about this before. 
quite potentially. Yeah. Although I haven't owned shares for a long time, oh. and uh, I don't like the business very much. It's no. um, basically. So what's the story here? Uh, I think let's ta let's start at the present. This company is in trading halt at the moment. It is raising yep. capital. Raising capital. Again, I think again. I think what's going to happen when it comes out of trading halt is it's going to tank, and. If I own shares in this business, I would be like sitting there being like, sell, 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 sell. But you can't, but you can't. Uh, well, good luck selling, yeah. But um, hopefully there'll be, because now they've just gone around and they've, um, you know, telling everyone how good it is, raise capital, we're going to use the capital to build a sales team, blah, 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 blah. So maybe there'll be some people that are like, think it's great and you can sell to them and then they mm. can find out what mm. it's going to be like to be a shareholder of this company. So why has the share price risen so exponentially? So I think, um, you know, these guys have suffered from having... Um, you know, absolutely zero respect from the market. Like this, uh, the founder who's been in charge of this company for a long time has presided over uh, not a great result for shareholders um, over the very long term. And in more recent times, you know, they put out like a quarterly thing saying, oh, they, you know, they have a good quarter. Yeah. Uh, there's a story they can tell there because their business itself is kind of interesting as it deals with um, essentially, you know, the digitization of workflows. Mm -hmm. So they have a lot of... Um, work in, I guess, like medium-sized or clinics or smaller hospitals. They have like a MasterCare Plus thing that basically helps with the uh, administration of, um, you know, the, the healthcare yeah. businesses, basically. It's not sort of one that is winning the top tier stuff. And as a result, whenever you're playing in the, in the smaller organizations, the focus should be on trying to like tie up as much of those smaller organizations as possible. Yeah. So it does make sense to invest in sales and it probably at the right price, this is worthwhile. The problem is this company through its beginning has had global ambitions and has like consistently tried to expand overseas unsuccessfully, which is bad capital allocation. Yeah. And it's that bad capital allocation, which has destroyed so much wealth for the people that have invested in the company over the years. Now at the right, well, I think many years ago, the then CEO, recapitalize this business at like four cents yeah so if you're buying at four cents then you know great that, yep. that's probably well worth it but the problem is this the history of this business that's been listed for 10 years or more is always we want money from you guys yeah how long do you have to be like the stocks that rudy and i love in this sector like they make a profit like they're not coming back to the market constantly over a decade to mm. say hey we want more money and more money and that's what this one does. And they're literally doing that right now. They're saying, we want more money. And what's happened is you've got some really good quality health tech business on the stock exchange in ASX. ProMedicus, Alcidian, both of which I own. There are other ones out there that are like maybe second tier and but are still interesting, Velpara, Max7, um, neither of which I own, but I have owned and they're decent. Um, so those ones have been flying high recently. Like we've been just talking about um, ProMedicus all-time highs. And I think that's helped drive the... Um, share price whole, yeah because yeah. people are saying oh well these ones are so successful like what's the next one and optically I guess based on a revenue multiple this is cheaper but it sort of deserves to be cheaper okay so that's a sell 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 as soon as it's out of the halt I mean, sell? I, I already yes definitely I always think that it got too much attention here to be honest yeah okay um, so we why I disagree with with uh, with Claude is I don't think it deserves any much attention the one, the, one, the one line that caught my attention when they announced the new CEO, which has also been announced, yep. and they make a lot of fanfare about it, but any CEO that comes to this company is not a great CEO, I can tell you that one. These guys exist for 30 years. After 30 years, they make something like $6 million in annual revenue. If that's your result after 30 years, you do not deserve to be on the share market. Okay. Yeah? The other thing is, which I don't understand, is they actually pay a dividend. And they're constantly loss-making, and they constantly have to come Thanks back to the market for, for yeah. new capital. So, 
Stay clear of it. Don't mention the name ever again, I would say. Chris? <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Tell us what you really think. I'll sweeten that somehow. Let's go to the next one I'll for Jen. I'll bark next time. EBO, <laughs> EBOS Group. Uh, look, growth in earnings per share in FY21 uh, could be acquisitive. Completely opposite. Completely okay. opposite. So give me your 60-second pitch for EBOS Group. Uh, solid, dependable, rising dividends and increasing uh, market share and taking contracts away from the in, in incumbents in Australia. Uh, don't ex expect spectacular things, but as a, as a backbone in a portfolio, yes, please. Okay, and would you buy it today at $31.05? I would rather prefer to buy it cheaper, but if I had to, I would, if I'm really in need of allocating my capital, I would buy it today. But you Preferably could wait for a better price. You could wait for a better price, yes. Especially and, and you probably should. Yeah, okay. So would you agree, Claude? No, let's, let's make that a hold. Okay. Yeah, no, that's fine. Uh, I think it's clear what you're saying there. Yeah, I'm, like, I gl I'm glad that Rudy said hold because it means I can say buy without putting it into the portfolio. Yes. This is, so I tweeted an old article I wrote. This is like a sleepy stock. This is a good yeah. quality sleepy yeah, stock. Exactly. And I do have some of those in my portfolio. Yeah. And yeah. Because I don't really like sleepy stocks, you have to be really good to make yes. it one of my coveted sleepy stock positions. And EBOS <laughs> is one of them. Yes. It's great. So I literally just so that people could find it, tweeted the article I wrote about this a year ago almost, yeah. where that was the sweet point to buy because a long-term very early investor who had owned a lot of the shares for a really long time wanted to sell down. And it was like riding COVID and stuff and they're trying to move a lot of stock and that was depressing the price massively. Mm. And that was your, yeah. that was the answer to the question, why is this cheap now? Yeah. Well, it's cheap because somebody who owns a lot of shares wants to get out, but not because they thought it was a bad business. This is a great track record of growing yeah. bit by bit. Yeah. And the other thing to remember about it is, is um, oh, there's so much I could say about it, but I'll keep it short. Look, this is a distributor, right? Yeah. So they keep competes on margins. It can be a hard business. And generally that's something to be wary of. However, a distribution network for that very reason can be a very, very good competitive moat business because a lowish margin regulated industry, so pharmaceutical distribution, mm -hmm. regulated industry, um, it's something you need scale at to, to work and make a profit. So how can you get new competitors against you when in order to be profitable in the industry, you need to be at scale? So that means that this kind of business leads itself to sort of an oligopoly style situation. Uh -huh. And then of the oligopoly players, I actually just think these guys are the best. Like they're really good operators. They report really well. They inch themselves <coughs> forward all, as they go, all, as they um, grow and they don't take too big a risk. So I really like it. And I, and I own shares. <laughs> and I haven't bought at current prices, but I, ha but I haven't sold either. Okay. Yeah. okay. Go with the all blacks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a New Zealand company. <laughs> Excuse oh, me, got a tickle in my throat. Okay, Brevera, BVS Farage. Yes. Looks like they've turned out of the dip, he said. Buy, hold, Well, that's sell. probably a conclusion drawn from the share price. The share price has recovered a little bit. Um, I, I think it's still extremely cheap. Um, this, is, <coughs> this is usually regarded, and I remember the, uh, Claude and I spoke about this, I think, a while ago. This, this company has pretty much had a perfect storm working against it, including uh, customers merging and then opting for a competitor and including um, the UK economy uh, having wave after wave in COVID. Um, I think if history is a guide, and this, 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 is, a, this is a small business by the way, but still highly regarded, <coughs> and if history is a guide, they will at some stage start announcing new contracts again, uh, expanding in the UK and elsewhere. And on that basis, I think you, you can <coughs> add this to your portfolio. Okay, Claude, <coughs> excuse me. 
How about for you? Because this was put on my radar this week earlier on because of some of the wave of M&A that we've seen in the local tech space. So Hanson and Altium, I mean, is it playing in that same, well, uh, is it potentially an attractive takeover target? I Yeah, I so I think that's probably what's driving the instant. I'm interested that Rudy maybe likes it sort of fundamentally, that's interesting. But I think that's exactly what has driven the recent rise in the share price. Like this was not long ago trading at about $3 or under that. And I think that's probably where to me, the valuation says, yeah, you could buy this on valuation. Um, however, what we've seen is a lot of takeover activity in tech and not only that, but a lot of a very vicious bidding war for mainstream, which is a business that is sort of quite adjacent to what Bravira does. It's not the same kind of business, but it's very similar. Um, so I think people might be getting a little, a little bit excited about takeover prospects. I definitely think that, you know, given that it's a cheaper one, at $3, it's trading at around 20 times earnings. So you could definitely see at $3, it's a takeover target. Now at $3.82, how much of that's been arbitraged away. So that's one possibility. The other possibility is like people have figured out because this is a little bit lumpy and it, it and the analyst, it missed a couple of analyst estimates, I think. Yeah. But, and either way, what that resulted to is lower future estimates, yeah. which ironically are then more beatable. Yes. Um, so if it's just hard to predict this one, analysts overestimated it before, lowered their estimates, and now it's just having its lucky half, then it ends up beating. It's possible that the rise is because some people who are close to the industry have sort of figured out it's going to beat. So maybe that could be an explanation. Either way, even though this is a software tech business, it doesn't actually have the fundamental qualities to its business model that are actually the things that attract me mostly to tech and software. Um, so for that reason, it's a little bit of an avoid for me, but yeah, look, under $3, I would say actually it is interesting and perhaps I missed our opportunity there. Okay, well, it's not under $3. And just to clarify, was that a buy from you? Yeah. Okay, all right, not going in the portfolio, needs both guys on board. Okay, let's get to the next one on the list, which is Next DC. This one's for Robert. We talk about Next DC a lot, the move toward data center, the move toward cloud, COVID accelerating some of those transitions, um, but is it still a buy? Yes, it is. I'm shareholder, by the way one of the largest holdings in my portfolio. Um, I think the market has just been uh, jumping at shadows. Um, uh, you get the whole inflation thing, bond, bond yields moving, uh, you name it. I mean, the, 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 the mega trend is still there. Yeah. The, the, the demand for data is, is enormous. Uh, the, the industry is uh, expanding their uh, capabilities a lot, mm -hmm. but analysts still remain convinced the demand for data is, is not, not subsiding. So at some stage, this is, this is a sentiment thing here. The other thing which I understand is holding it back here as well is that on a relative basis, it's, it's more expensively priced than Equinix in the US. Yep. But then local analysts say, yeah, but NextGC's growth profile is so much stronger. So it actually deserves to trade at a premium. Uh, I mean, I think it's only a matter of time. Uh, it's excellent management, highly regarded. Uh, of course, they took on a lot of debt. They're not profitable. But you know what? It's actually an infrastructure play. It's not different from, from a transurban. The data will come, the customers will come, and those centers will be filled. Would you have as much patience with Next DC? When you consider, Claude, that there could be a change in the trends, I've, I've speaking, I think it was June Bailu at Tribeca, talking about the fact that we can also see a move to some of these more localized, smaller data centers than that in which Next DC is building. I mean, do you have to take into consideration uh, you know, changes in technology going forward? I, I mean, I guess you do. And there's, I guess I'm more bullish on, I guess, edge 
edge computing than I think the data center stuff. However, I do agree that this is like an infrastructure play that will have long-term demand tailwinds. The only area in which I disagree with Rudy, and this has resulted in me being wrong and him being right, because I guess he's owned it and it's gone up and I never did. But the thing that has kept me out of the stock is that it seems to be like, so the free cash flow is like always super negative. So it is like, it makes sense. Okay, so for infrastructure, you need to get yeah. money or issue shares to build it out. And then later you get the, the long tail. So it makes sense. And I'm not saying that's the wrong strategy or anything, but I don't super like, I don't really like that kind of business that's capital hungry like that for so many years. So it's not one that I would personally add to my portfolio, but I actually was saying the same thing when this stock was like two or $3. So I think that in a way, I just add that so that people can like maybe discount my view or whatever a little bit there. Because I've actually had the same reservation about it for years and it's just gone up and up. So, yeah. But the thing is, you have, to, you have to view it as an infrastructure play. Yeah? If, if, if Transurban builds a new road, they have to spend the money first mm. and then collect the toll. Yeah? These guys are the same. They have to build the data center first and then collect uh, the customers. Yeah. So you can't see it. You can't see it as a, as a bravura or, or a different. It's actually not. In my view, it's not a technology company, although it's in the technology index yes, on okay. the ASX. I mean, we'll add. So this like, this thing's like five billion market cap. So it's like pretty. It's pretty big already. Already. Um, I guess a lot of the success will hinge on whether that in for Australia anyway, that size is a scale advantage or not. Because if it's not, then I think it actually may not turn out to be so well. But if that size is a scale advantage, then well, maybe it's actually managed to eke out a competitive advantage in the space and, that, and that's a positive. So you're not buying it though? No, I'm not personally buying it. I think that there are bigger US, like I own, yeah, I won't get into it, but there are other options that are sort of in the space that I prefer. Like okay. I have occasionally owned Megaport, I don't at the moment, but that's something I'm a little more interested in. That's the intermediary. Yeah, yeah, so anyway. Okay. All right, guys. Uh, we did get a company into the portfolio today. MVP. Sean, it's a buy from Rudy. It's a buy from Claude. He thinks it's the most exciting company we've discussed today. And uh, think about the green whistle. Again, it's to this global expansion story, which Rudy says, you know, you might have to wait a while, but if they can execute it, it's probably worth being in it. Now, I will also say we've uh, well, I'll do that at the end. Global health, this is an avoid at all costs for Rudy. This is a sell, 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 like as soon as it comes out of a trading halt, if you can find a buyer for Claude, there's no reason to go near this company in either of their views. The next one on the list, Ebos Group. It's a buy for Claude. He says it's a good quality, sleepy stock. Uh, Rudy says that it could be the backbone of your portfolio. It's solid, it's dependable. However, he would buy it at a cheaper price, so it's not going into the portfolio. Reverse Solutions for Raj, it's a buy for Rudy, for Claude, it is an avoid. It's uh, it's potentially a buy under $3, but he thinks that some of the potential M&A excitement around the company has already been built into the price. So Reverse Solutions is actually being taken out of the portfolio. Oh, I feel bad now. Oh, <laughs> well, this is why I don't tell you prior, because it'll impact your decisions. Next DC, NXT is the last one on the list for Robert, and it is a buy, and it's on the growth profile story for Rudy. Think of it as an infrastructure stock. Claude doesn't disagree. However, it's a no from him. He's got preferences in that space, and they're not here in Australia. 
Now, these guys did change the portfolio today as well. I forgot to mention that Home Consortium is also out of the portfolio because of their assessment of the company. That's not upsetting you. I don't feel you. so bad about that. No. I think Review probably has more upside, so I feel a little bit guilty. No, but, well, yeah. no, I shouldn't have, you know, I don't want to ruin your afternoon or anything. <laughs> yeah. uh, listen, it's been great to have you on board, Rudy and Claude, as always. Thank you, Rich Life and FN Arena, and thank you for watching. If you'd like us to cover a company, email us at thecall at ausbiz.com.au, and you can put it to a specific guest that you know we'll have in in the next couple of weeks, that's fine. Uh, if you'd like to see that portfolio, head to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Stay with us. After this very short break, we will be talking crypto. And Ian Lowe, CEO of Daxi, is going to take us through the latest market movements ahead of the weekend trade. That's from 1 p.m. right here on Ausbiz. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.